Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules, Julie McCarthy, grandmother, mom. If you have anything you would like to share or ask, please email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. I hope if you were traveling, you were able to get home. So many canceled flights, my God. As if traveling at Christmas wasn't bad enough already. Apparently, a lot of the flights are canceled because staff are calling in sick due to a la covid I know this pandemic is a hot, polarizing topic, but it's just so hard to say nothing. So I'm just going to say this. Every business invests in sizing their systems according to a risk-benefit assessment. If a system is critically important, and I would argue our hospitals are critically important, it must be sized to handle peak usage. Average doesn't cut it. Our hospitals were already stretched thin during every flu season. Governments knew this. Every woman, man, and child should not have had to endure physical, mental, or financial health hardship two years into a pandemic that was predictable because governments continually for decades cut ICU beds, healthcare staff, PPE, and education spending to get yourselves elected and probably to line your friends and your own pockets. You lie, waste money, while underfunding important investment under the guise of fiscal responsibility, and then wonder why no one trusts you? You knew damn well that vaccines and masks and testing, if it works and if you can find it, tracing, if it's even done, washing and physical distancing were never going to be enough. A December 2019 report called Ontario Hospitals Leaders in Efficiency on page 13 boasts, and I quote, Ontario has fewer acute hospital beds per 1,000 population than any other province and fewer beds than any other country in the world tied with Mexico that is tracked by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Guys, this is not efficiency. 
This is at least partly why school children have been ordered again to stay home, why businesses are being decimated. You can call any business non-essential if you want, but those businesses are essential to the people who own and work for them. I would like to rename this report Ontario Hospitals Leaders in Fuckery. And this is not the workers' fault. You are not the decision makers. You're stuck holding the bag while the decision makers cut, 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 cut. Whoa, where are we supposed to get the money? Figure it out. If it's important, you'll find the money. You're not earning tax dollars if businesses are closed and people aren't making money or if they're dead. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's it for my rant today. People talk about how men are the ones who've accomplished everything. Well, as a matter of fact, a lady biochemist was at the forefront of mRNA research back in the day. Catalin Carico, a Hungarian biochemist, was one of the first scientists working on mRNA research in the 90s. And of course, at that time, as with anything new, everyone's going, oh, it's never going to work. What are you doing? You're wasting your time. But it turned out to be a great discovery. And it will be usable for all kinds of different vaccinations. But I digress. If some women can accomplish these great things, then why don't more of us do the same? If all you are responsible for is getting up and washing yourself and then going to work and someone looks after your house and your children and your food, it's a lot easier to earn a living. And that's the way it's been for most men for generations. But, you know, the world has certainly changed and is continuing to change. It's certainly changed since I started in the workforce. I started at a bank in Sarnia in 1978. It was the same bank as both my parents had worked at years ago. That's where they, in fact, met and fell in love. Not the same branch. They were in Toronto. And I thought when I started that I would be able to advance through the ranks as my father had. Obviously, I wasn't going to get a transfer to a Toronto branch due to my baseball prowess as my father had as a teen from Keene. But I honestly had no idea that the bank's progression model was university graduates being fast-tracked through a program. I was incredibly naive. I had heard all the stories about how Ted had started as a junior clerk in the Keene branch after graduating high school at age 16. Yes, he graduated at 16. He was smart. He skipped two grades. One of the stories was his transfer to Bloor and Bay in Toronto, as he says, to improve the branch baseball team. He was an incredibly good athlete, something I'm certainly not and never was. How he was an admin officer at 20 when he met my 17-year-old mother, Dorothy. I assumed when I started at the bank that a similar career trajectory was possible for me. But oh wow, was I ever wrong about that. I started in some clerical position, maybe not unlike Ted. I was 18, two years older than Ted, but My job was filing and other menial administrative work, and I worked across from another young woman, a few years older than I was, in her 20s, married, with a baby. But one of the things I noticed about her immediately was how she spent a large part of her day staring into space. She was 
the definition of spacey. A week or two after I started, though, this gorgeous, dark-haired woman showed up after her vacation. Her name was Judy. She was 11 years my senior, so still only in her 20s, and clearly had authority over the ladies in the open area. I don't think she was officially their manager, but she was definitely the woman in charge. She was smart. She was confident. She solved problems. She gave direction. I'll never forget that first day she came back. She came upon some mistake. I don't even remember what it was. But she she <laughs> asked who had made the mistake, looked over at me with narrowed accusatory eyes, saying, this looks like funny young writing. And I said, well, I don't have funny young writing. At the time, I assumed it was that space cadet who sat across from me. It probably did turn out to be her. Anyway, Judy learned pretty quickly that I was not an idiot. And I learned pretty quickly that she had a very quick wit and she made me laugh. And one day out of the blue, she turned to me and said, Does anyone ever call you Jules? No, I told her. Jules, she said, smiling. It was from some show. I have no idea what show it was. I had never seen it. And that was it. I had been blessed by this beautiful, dark-haired, funny, smart woman with a new nickname, and it kind of stuck, not with family, but with everyone else. And Judy and I became fast friends. I learned then and there that even if your job is a pile of dog shit, the possibility of getting to know fabulous people could make your job fun. Now, we had no computers back then at the bank. We had columnar adding machines. They weren't even electric. You had to enter. You'd have to see this thing. Each column had a button from zero to nine. To enter $100, you would press the one in the hundreds column and then pull the handle. And people's accounts were on cards, physical cards. If someone came in to withdraw money, the teller would write on the card that they withdrew some money because it didn't get posted until later by people who ran these posting machines. And then all the uh, information after everything was balanced got sent to the Toronto data center. But this little Sarnia branch had no computers. We didn't even have calculators. To calculate interest, we had uh, ranges on a card, and you had to look up the minimum balance on a person's account and then look up on the card how much interest they would get and write it in. And then the poster would post it on the posting machine later. The men were allowed to smoke in the branch, but the women had to go outside, away from the branch. They couldn't sully the branch's reputation by smoking nearby, or they had to go to the basement to smoke. The signature card for someone to open an account said, If female, wife of, or daughter of. I never actually filled that out, because even then, I just looked at that and thought, Are you serious? I told a friend of mine about this a few years ago, because it was in the context of a discussion where he was saying that women globally have always had equal rights, the assertion that they have not or do not have equal rights is a bullshit political narrative to hurt men 
And I said, come on, even when I started at the bank, when a woman opened an account, the signature card said, if female, wife of, or daughter of. I don't believe you. What? You're saying I'm lying? I haven't seen any evidence of that. Oh, so you don't believe that I am telling you what I actually saw. I haven't seen any evidence. Okay. Well, I did not put that signature card in a time capsule. Things have certainly changed. I know one of my friends told of a bank manager who used to walk behind the tellers and undo bras. The tellers would be waiting on customers. That never happened to me, but I wasn't a teller. I was uh, some kind of a clerk, which was below a teller. And I just assumed that if a teller position came up in the area, that they would let us know and we would have an opportunity to apply for it. And it wasn't too long after I started that I don't even know how the conversation came up, but a teller had been hired at one of the other branches in Sarnia. And I looked at my manager and I said, well, you didn't tell us that position was available. And he just looked at me like I was insane. Like, why would I tell you that? It's a different branch. And I'm like, wait a minute, aren't we allowed to apply for these positions at other branches? No, they don't let you know. They just needed a teller. They hired someone to be a teller. Maybe, I don't even know if they usually promoted from within the branch. So that's how they found out that I was interested in getting better jobs. So here was I, 18, working behind the scenes, doing filing and very mindless admin. And then I eventually got a promotion to using the posting machine, which again, behind the scenes, working the posting machine, not customer facing at all. And I think about it and I'm like, what the hell was your criteria anyway? And my salary when I started... I took home $236. It was either every two weeks or twice a month. I don't recall. And my rent was 210 or something like that. So my budget for going out was $13 a week. I would go out with Judy often. Well, Judy and I didn't necessarily go out every week, but we would go out. She already had her two children. She was a single mom. And I'll tell you, Raising two children on woman pay was no easy feat. Judy had to have some part-time jobs in addition to her full-time job. I also did that when my children were growing up. And when I was at the bank, I had a part-time job bartending in a local restaurant some nights. And I didn't even have any children then. Oh, yes, and I also tried being a makeup sales lady. And when Judy was expecting her babies, the expectation was that you would quit your job before you showed, which just seems unbelievable to me. I mean, this is in my working lifetime, so it's not that long ago. I'm not exactly Methuselah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But when I started at the bank, my mother warned me not to get caught in the vault with the manager. She just assumed that's the way it was because we all assumed that's the way it was. When I eventually got a position as a teller, I was a teller for a short time before I ended up leaving the bank. Some of the customers. I remember one man in particular. He approached the wicket, gruffly told me he wanted 100 US dollars. I let him know the exchange rate and he immediately got angry with me, demanding to speak to a man. I want to speak to a man. Get a man for me. It turned out that he had a U.S. dollar account, but he hadn't mentioned that. He just expected me to recognize him because he's so fucking special and know what accounts he had. These kinds of entitled pricks were ridiculously common. And this is the frustration of people working in any service industry. But, you know, we had to take it. We'd have to go get a man. They wouldn't heat the place enough. I can remember wearing double pairs of tights and working with gloves and cutting the fingers off so I could work the posting machine and just freezing. And the admin officer across from me would be sitting there in a short sleeve shirt. And he's like, I'm fine. And I said, well, you're large. You have man metabolism. You're covered in a fur coat. Your arms are furry. But as long as you're comfortable... I don't expect them to crank the heat so I can wear a tank top, but my God, it wasn't just me, and it was grossly inconsiderate. You had to ask the boss if you could have a paperclip or anything. They'd have efficiency officers come in from head office. They used to count entries, how many entries you processed on a given day, and rank your efficiency I can only imagine how much worse that is for them today. Everybody's always trying to find a way to cut back. And I was there for the online conversion when we got computers in the branch. Judy was hired to be the trainer for all the staff in the region, and the classroom was in the basement of the branch. Now, one of my jobs down there was, in order to send out statements, we didn't have computers to print the labels or even print label stickers, so we had this contraption called an addressograph, and you had these metal plates with all the customers' names and addresses on them, and you would have to stamp the envelopes with their addresses. It's so archaic. And we also had a dumbwaiter, and Judy would be teaching a class, and the dumbwaiter went from the main floor to the basement in her classroom. And sometimes I would write her a note during the day and float it down the dumbwaiter, (laughs) and she'd be teaching, and this note would flutter down in front of her, and she'd just pick it up, open it, and read it. One day, I sent down a letter I had received from an admirer, which included a poem that he had written. Later that day, she wrote a letter and poem in response, both of which I'm sure were shared with all the trainees. (laughs) 
Maybe not. I actually still remember the poem she wrote, which, of course, I never mailed to this guy. I don't recall what he wrote, but hers was, okay, life is a mystery of that I am sure, just waiting to be discovered for me to open the door. It may not be easy, full of trouble and strife, but I must take a chance or die under the knife. I so loved your flowers and poetry, too, but that is not all that I want from you. Call me a hussy or ever so bold. Just don't cast me aside, leaving me out in the cold. I love that poem. She had a friend at the time who was an artist, and he also associated with some other very artsy friends. He used to call us bankerettes. We were at his apartment one night. There was some little gathering, and various people were doing monologues and reciting poetry, and I recited Judy's poem in front of them with a completely straight face while she laughed her ass off. I was never invited back. When I had to run, use the addressograph, you know, you find ways to entertain yourself when you're doing mindless work. And I would do dance moves and called it the addressograph shuffle. And I would sing and stamp all these addresses to some kind of a tune and have flourishes of moves just to entertain myself. And so you make a terrible job fun in little ways like that. Judy was so much fun to go out with. She would say to people, they'd say, oh, what do you do? And she would tell them she was a gymnast or all kinds of things. We clearly did not look like gymnasts. We used fake names. It was kind of a safety thing, too. And Judy's dad was an angel. We called him Campa. He would often babysit for Judy. There's no way she could have afforded to pay a babysitter to go out back in those days. There's just no way. Even though she was a single mom with not a lot of money, she always found a way to take her children on a trip, even if it was just camping or sometimes they would drive to Florida, which you could do back then on a budget. Catherine understood the value of experiences, too, because she used to do things with Violet that used to just amaze me. I wish I had that mindset when mine were growing up. One year, I joined Judy and her two children on a road trip to Florida. We went via Nashville. We went to the Grand Old Opry. We went to see Elvis's mansion in Graceland. Judy's father was a travel agent, so he was so well-traveled. He flew to Nashville, and we picked him up at the airport, and we were in a small car. It was a standard. I had to learn to drive a standard just to go on this trip. One of the children, or me, had to ride in the back of the hatchback once Campa joined us. Campa also had had a couple of heart attacks, which he had recovered from. But after we picked up Campa, her little girl would say sometimes when we went past an institutional-looking building, she'd say, Oh, Campa, this is a good place for you to have a heart attack if you're going to have one. I was driving on the highway through Georgia, and the speed limit at the time was maybe 55, and I was averaging 80 because there was just no traffic that day. And we got pulled over. We had to go into the sheriff's office, and I had to pay the fine right there. And it looked like an old black-and-white TV show, Andy Griffith Sheriff's Office, with a jail cell right beside the desk, and it was something else. 
But I have such fond memories of that road trip. And there were bank parties, too. I remember one night after a bank party. I mean, my mother had already warned me not to get caught in the vault, so I never did. But, I mean, it was the late 70s. People drank and thought nothing of it. I certainly came from a a family that embraced boozing. And for me, it, it was fun. And I trusted these people. I worked with them. I left one Christmas party. I mean, it's not something we did all the time, but at Christmas there would be parties. One of the branch managers offered to walk me home. Lovely man. Happily married, a couple of little kids. And, of course, I initially declined. No, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. He's like, oh, no, it was maybe 2 in the morning. You need to, you shouldn't walk home alone. And it wasn't that far. I routinely walked all over the place because I didn't have a car. I sometimes hitchhiked but only in daylight hours, and I would only get into the car if the driver was a woman, which I know isn't 100% safe, but I felt mitigated my risk significantly. Anyway, this manager walked me home, and when we got to my apartment building, I was fishing in my purse for my keys, and he grabbed me and shoved his tongue down my throat. I was completely shocked and caught off guard, Thankfully, one of our colleagues, one of the admin officers, lived in the same building, and he happened to come along right at the same time. I should have just walked home with him, but he was single. If he had offered to walk me home, I would have had a lot more trepidation than I did this sweet little married man with two children. You just never know. So when the other guy came along, the married one took off like a shot, and I was like, oh, well, In those days, there's no way you would ever even complain about it. Every time you had an experience like that, you just chalked it up to experience and said to yourself, oh, well, I'll have to be more careful next time. And the bank wasn't the only place that happened. They certainly didn't have a monopoly on it. The restaurant I worked at, my manager would sometimes pat my butt, give me a little poke in the midriff, But I just said to him one day, don't do that, please. And he said, why not? And I said, because I don't like it. And he said, okay. And he never did it again, which was great. But I think a lot of times uh, an 18-year-old isn't necessarily prepared to be that direct with people when they're doing something inappropriate like that. When I was a lifeguard at age 17, there was one man in particular who would come to adult swim, and he would swim a few lengths, and then he would get out of the pool and speak pornographically to me. And I was wearing no makeup, I had on a Speedo, and my hair in pigtails. And I would look at him and say, my mother's still getting baby bonus checks for me. You need to stop. The other thing he would do, he would invite me out for coffee. And when I told Judy about it later, after I got to know her, she said, Oh, Jules, never trust a man who invites you out for coffee. They're trying too hard to look innocent. But at the time, the other thing he did was follow me home very slowly at walking speed, because I was walking, in his car, which is pretty creepy for a 17-year-old girl. It would be creepy for me now, but at 17, like, come on. So I told my boss about it, and her response, yes, I had a lady boss, her response was, ah, he's harmless, don't worry about him. So yeah, things have changed. Things really needed to change. They haven't changed enough, 
But when people tell me they feel sorry for men because the poor men don't know what to say anymore, my response is, well, they're going to have to figure it out. We've had to navigate their feelings forever. And let's just agree to try and respect each other. And if someone says something you don't appreciate, let them know. And if they don't stop, now you know you're dealing with a creep. Easier said than done when it's someone in a position of power whose retaliation could hurt you physically, emotionally, or financially. I had a friend, I have great friends, don't I, who said he doesn't feel sorry for women who spread their legs to get a job. I didn't ask him because I don't engage when people make comments like that, but it made me wonder how he feels about the person who abuses that power. After all, that's where the accountability lies. And if you're in doubt about whether you should touch or say sexually explicit things to someone, just don't, obviously. Now that wasn't so hard, was it? Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my stories from the 70s, the olden days. If you have anything you would like to add, share, or ask, please email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. That's J-E-W-E-L-S says at gmail.com. Have a lovely week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.